0: This message was preached as Pulpit Supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8, um, as the last verse of the uh, scripture reading I've alluded to, um, I, I'll be dealing with the flood this morning, um, at uh, Redeemer, we have been looking at the flood for several weeks, probably since the week after I was with you last, um, and I, I think this is relevant for uh, many reasons to our society today. Um, we we look at the story of the flood, and we see a description of a time whenever Every thought of the intention of the heart of man was only evil all the time. There was so much wickedness within human beings that God decided to to unmake his creation. He 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 he, he decided to to flood the earth and destroy everything except for one family and the animals that could all replenish The earth with a a population and as we look in our society today and we see the unrest in the cities we see um rioting looting we see the injustice also of of people who have been killed by uh, law enforcement and on the other time uh, on the other hand we have law enforcement that's being killed Um, We have we have both of those those injustices. We have uh, all we we are. We are. I think our hand is uh, our finger is on the pulse of injustice right now. And, And maybe we can relate to a time whenever the Bible tells us that the thoughts of the hearts of man were only evil continually because we look out and we think that's just what we have. It's only evil continually all the time. That's all we see. You watch the news, you look on Twitter, you look on social media, um, and we see only evil continually. I want to think back to where we've come along this journey through through Genesis. Um, God designed the world and created it uh, to be perfect, to be a perfect paradise harmony for, for everyone. Uh, he, he, he designed it uh, and said, this is good, this is good, this is good. After, after creating all the, the animals and the waters and the seas and everything that he made, he was saying, this is good, this is good. He created human beings. He said, this is, this is very good, right? Uh, although it was not good for man to be alone, In chapter two, we see God created woman and and Adam and Eve were to be living together in perfect harmony, uh, no discord, no disagreements, just perfect harmony together, the kind of paradise, the kind of utopia that people long for today. People long for a kind of utopia. And that's, I, I think, where this kind of almost Marxist impulse comes from of the the desire to try to create a utopia here on earth. But yet that is not going to be possible until Jesus comes back. Since we live in a Genesis 3 world, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they, they broke God's law, they, they ate of the fruit, they, they introduced sin, they introduced death, they introduced sickness and pain and all of those things. We will not have any kind of utopia that people are looking for until Jesus comes on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, with flames coming from his eyes, and he puts all of his enemies under his feet. That is how a utopia will finally come when Jesus sets everything right and he wipes every tear from every eye. But after chapter three, well, in chapter three there, after we see the fall, we see also the promise. There is that promise that there will one day come a seed of the woman who will come and and crush the serpent's head. And um, uh, was it... The last time I was with you, we looked at the genealogy, the genealogy that, that, that traced this, this line from Seth all the way to Noah. And at the time of Noah, his father Lamech said, this might be the one, right? This might be the one who will, who will bring rest from our labors. He will be the one who will put an end to the curse on the ground Noah's father was thinking, maybe this will be that seed of the woman. And Noah does point forward to Jesus who was to come in the fact that he did save humanity through Noah. And also in Noah, he was basically... um, Making a new earth. Think of it that way. We look forward to a new heavens and a new earth. And, and maybe one of the ways we should think about the new heaven and the new earth is this distinction between before the flood and after the flood. You know, you, you have, God had created everything, he created everything, it had, had been corrupted, and so God destroys it all by a flood, and then he brings about a new humanity out of Noah, he brings about a new, uh, a new earth as the waters recede that we will see today. The beginning of chapter 6 tells this strange story. Uh, I'm, I'm really I'm kind of kind of bring you up to date because uh, I haven't been with you to to cover the rest of this this story. But in the beginning of chapter six, we see this story of the sons of God and the daughters of man. Uh, the sons of God took from among the daughters of man uh, wives, whomever they chose, and and uh, it talks about the Nephilim that were there and and all of this and and and. Um, that's difficult to understand. Some have thought those maybe the 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 godly line of Seth that was intermarrying with the the um, uh, wicked line of Cain, and uh, God did not want that to happen, so He He sends the flood to 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 wipe that all out. Uh, that is one possible interpretation. Um, and and I, I've I've listened to some sermons where where the 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 preacher. Um, advocated for that position, and they were were people that I respect. Um, I actually go with the other uh, major interpretation, and that's that that, uh, these were fallen angels. These were were angelic beings, because every time in the Old Testament, whenever you see the words, sons of God, like in the beginning of Job, uh, the sons of God would come before uh, God and, and Satan came with them, just like in the beginning of Job. You see it later on in the book of Job as well, um, when um, I think the question is asked, uh, you know, um, the, or not, not, not a question, I think it was, I'm trying to recall, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> the, the, uh, um, the sons of God rejoiced whenever I created the world. Uh, something that God says there in, later in Job, and and then we see the um, the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and how how um, the the fourth man in the fire had an appearance like the Son of God. Um, some take that as a, a reference to uh, a, an Old Testament appearance of Christ, uh, regardless uh, whether it was Jesus Himself or. What uh, it it had to be some kind of heavenly being, and so we see that that son of sons of God language everywhere else in the Old Testament. It seems to be some kind of heavenly being, and so uh, an ancient interpretation of Genesis six is that these were were um, angelic beings who had fallen uh, and who intermarried with human women. Um, now, an objection to that. An objection to that. Uh, you know, Jesus teaches about um, marriage and, and uh, uh, peop- they, the Pharisees were asking him, you know, or actually I guess it was probably the Sadducees. Because the Sadducees were the ones who didn't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus was, uh, was asked, well, if this, this man, uh, he marries and he, his wife, uh, well, no. He dies and then so his, his widow marries another and, and then he dies and then marries another. You know, Which one will be her husband in the new... And Jesus says, uh, well, in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, you know, in, in heaven, will be like the angels who don't marry. The angels in heaven is actually, I think, what it says. The angels in heaven who don't marry. Now, that might be uh, an objection to the idea that this these were... Um, Angelic beings there in Genesis chapter six, but at the same time um, it says the angels in heaven it 's not talking about angels who fell um, the the angels who left their proper domain as the book of Jude says, and the passage that Tom read um, it talked about how um, uh, Jesus in the spirit went and preached to the uh, to the well i don 't remember i 'm getting Jude and second Peter uh, maybe uh, 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 confused here, but he went uh, and maybe proclaimed victory over these spirits who were now in prison. Um, I'll just turn to the First Peter passage just to get the language. To be precise. I didn't plan on that. <laughs> <laughs> I keep flipping past it. Have to, um, so the verse that Tom read said uh, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits now spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Well, who are these spirits that are now in, now in prison, right? Um, I, I think this fits with the interpretation that these, these were angelic beings there in, Jude, in uh, Genesis chapter 6. All that to try to give an answer. But also in that beginning part of Genesis chapter 6, it's where it describes how humanity has just become only evil all the time. There's complete wickedness always in the hearts of man all the time. And so God determines He's going to wipe out creation. He's going to wipe it out. He's going to be like a a potter who has created a, a... uh, a statue out of clay and whenever the clay doesn't do what he wants it to do he smashes it down again and lighten, and creates it new afresh so we see God in the midst of all this in the midst of this wickedness Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord and it tells us at the at the, in the middle of uh, Genesis chapter 6 Uh, The world is all wickedness and Noah finds grace. And one of the things I think we should see here, because because it says Noah finds grace, um, I think Noah is just like everybody else. Noah is a sinner just like everybody else. Uh, But God has grace upon him. Noah didn't deserve to be pulled out. Uh, of, of, of the destruction that was going to come, but it was grace, it was God's grace that uh, God chose to, to save Noah out of this. The next chapter tells us that, that Noah was righteous and blameless in his generation. Well, I, I, I think that grace had to precede that righteousness. Uh, Noah would be no different than everybody else around him if it wasn't for the fact that God had already had grace upon him. God had grace upon him. It tells us that Noah had had walked with God, similar to to, um, uh, Enoch who had come before him. And God tells Noah, I'm going to destroy everything. I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to destroy all the animals. I'm going to destroy every bird, every beast, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And and I'm going to save you. and, And I'm going to make my covenant with you. God tells Noah, I'm going to make my covenant with you. Um, he, he's making a covenant promise. He, he's, he's telling Noah that seed of the woman that, that was promised in chapter 3, he's going to come through your line, Noah. I'm going to keep my covenant promise and, and, and it's going to be through you and your family, God tells Noah. And he gives him instructions that he's to build an ark And he's to to have all these different dimensions. And it tells us at the end of chapter six, Noah did all this. He did all that God commanded him. There's an emphasis on obedience there. God, Noah obeyed everything that God commanded. He did all this. He obeyed everything that God commanded him. And in chapter seven, we see um, God, it was the time came for the flood. The time came. God tells Noah, "Go into the ark, you and your household. And um, for I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of, an, of clean animals: the male and its mate. A pair of the animals that are not clean, and cl- uh, uh, the male and its mate. And seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, male and its female." To keep their offspring alive on the earth. In chapter 7 what we see is the destruction of the world. We, we see the flood coming down upon the earth. We, we've got waters springing up from the, the, the springs of the earth. We see the water coming down. The windows of heaven were open. Uh, and, and water comes down. And what we see is everything was dead. Everything was dead. We see this emphasized towards the end of the chapter where, where, where it's telling us every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that was not in the ark died. It was destroyed. Everything that was not in the ark was destroyed. And we come to chapter 8, which is what we're looking at today. That's quite an introduction. I just want to catch this up. We come to chapter 8, but God remembered Noah. That's what we see here. In the midst of this death and destruction, in the midst of, of, of everything on earth being destroyed, we pick up in chapter 8 with, but God remembered Noah. I'll read the text. And all the beasts and the livestock were with him the, that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided and the, and the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. Same words. He opened those things in chapter seven and those things were closed in chapter eight. The rain from the heaven was restrained and the waters receded from the earth Continually. And at the end of 150 days, the the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, uh, the ark came to rest on the mountains on the mountains of Ararat, Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made. He sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. So she returned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And he dove, and the dove came back to him in the evening. And behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove and she did not return to him anymore. In the 600th year, in the six hundred and first and first year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, On the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go and bring, go out from the ark, uh, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is uh, with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an ark, an altar to the Lord, and took some of every clean animal, and some of every clean bird and burnt offering burnt and offered a burnt offering on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, Day and night shall not cease. I'm going to pray, but we're not at the end. (laughs) Father, help us to hear your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So God remembered Noah. Again, I see this contrast. Everything on earth was dead. Everything on earth was destroyed. And God remembers Noah. And and I think what we should should see out of this for ourselves, what we can apply to ourselves, is God will remember us (laughs) when the world is broken. When, when we are in Jesus, when we are in Christ, when we are a part of His covenant people, He will not forget us. When we might feel forgotten, when we, when we feel like the world is going crazy, which it is lately, He won't forget us. He will remember us. He will be faithful to His promises just like he had told Noah before the flood, I will make my covenant with you. He has made a covenant with Jesus and he will be faithful to that promise. He will save all those who are in him. And if we are trusting in Jesus, if you're trusting in Jesus, he will not forget you. We see also, um, the animals come out, uh, well, I'm sorry. The animals and the beasts and the livestock that were with him in the ark, they were all saved along with him. Uh, and it, it, it has a reversal of what, what seems to be taking place in the, the, um, the flood as it came. We had the windows of heaven were open, the springs of the deep were open, and now we have the, the fountains of the deep are closed, The windows of heaven were closed. So there's this reversal that's taking place. We see um, the way that uh, it's described where the waters are receding and the land is coming up might remind us of the creation story. Whenever God is separating the water and the dry land and, and creating Uh, Here we see what appears to be a creation of a new world, a new start all over again as the waters recede. Something that was pointed out to me, um, it tells us, and in the seventh month, verse four, this is interesting. In the seventh month on the 17th day, of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Now, Moses wrote this. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he would have written also Leviticus. And there's something significant about this. The seventh month and the seventeenth day of the month, there's, there's, there's a Celebration that's supposed to take place on that day in, in uh, the, uh, the Hebrew calendar, in the Jewish calendar. Uh, and, and that, I believe, in, in Leviticus, it tells us that's involving the Passover and the, the, uh, um, the Day of Atonement. Um, and so when we, when we see these, it may not be obvious to us, but Moses' original readers... When they when they hear the seventh month and the seventeenth day of the month, there may have been some kind of association there between um, salvation, where the the ark came to rest, pointing forward to to later on in in in, uh, in the Pentateuch, uh, where um, you have God delivering His people out of Egypt, and and salvation that occurs uh, as He delivered His people out of Egypt. And uh, as they make sacrifice, and we see also in verse six, um, Noah opens the window and he sends out a raven. Now, a raven would be one of the unclean birds, right? It would be a scavenger, and so as the raven is sent out, um, it tells us it flew around to and fro. And and never came back. He stayed out until the until the waters receded. And, and and as a scavenger, you can think maybe this raven was 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 going around finding floating debris, floating bodies, and decaying things, and being able to eat upon that until the waters completely receded. But the dove was a clean animal. The dove was a clean animal, and um, as as Noah then sent out this clean bird, it was, it was different from the raven. It wasn't going to, to eat on things. Instead, it, it came back. It came back uh, because um, it wasn't able to find a dry, dry place. It says, but the dove found no place to set her foot. Um, there's a play on words there too. Um uh, Just like in uh, the the end of chapter five with the uh, genealogy, uh, Noah was named Noah because his name means rest. His father said, maybe this one will bring rest from the curse. Um, And here that place to rest, it's that same. it's, It's built off of the word for Noah. She found no place to set her foot. She found no resting place. The waters, um, he sends her out again later, seven days later. And, he, and the, the dove comes back and has a freshly plucked olive leaf. Uh, a sign of life. A sign of that new creation springing forth. Uh, a, a, a glimmer of hope that Noah and his family has. And they still have to Wait. Um, one thing that uh, I, I've, I've had also pointed out to me: all of the, the floodwaters all came about suddenly. It, it didn't take a long time for all this to to come upon, and yet it took a long time, a long protracted period for the waters to come to to recede. And and so often that's what it's like in our lives. It, you know, our trouble can come on us immediately. Our trouble can, can, uh, can sneak up on us at a moment's notice, but it can sometimes take a long time for things to, and we can see that in our world today. It didn't take long to spark uh, riots and looting and things like that in our society. It didn't take long for, for all that to spark up and, 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 uh, and it may take a long time for things to to calm down. Uh, We see that also in the coronavirus. It seemed like it all just snuck up on us all of a sudden and we're all locked into our houses and things like that. And it may take a long time for things to recede back and and get back to what we think of as normal. So they finally come to where the ground had dried out and God said to Noah, He spoke. God spoke. First, in in verse 1, we saw God remembered Noah. And here we have God speaking again. And when when we hear God spoke, we ought to again remember back what happened whenever God has spoken before. When God said, let there be light. And there was light. And everything obeyed God. When God speaks, His creation listens. And it says, God spoke and he said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives, bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So Noah, verse 18, went out and his sons and his wife and his uh, uh, sons' wives with him, every creeping beast. Uh, There's one basic simple point here. God told him that, and they obeyed. Just like whenever God spoke and light came into existence, here he spoke, he told them, and they obeyed. His creatures obeyed. And when they came out of the ark, verse 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. We might ask ourselves the question earlier on in the story, well, why did he have to bring seven pair of the clean animals and the clean birds? Well, we, we have that answer here. Well, some of it was for food, but at the same time, some of it was for the sacrifices that would come after. God anticipated that that would, would take place. Noah offered a sacrifice and It tells us, verse 21, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. First of all, it tells us the Lord smelled. (laughs) God is not a man. He does not have a body like man. Uh, this is this is uh, metaphorical language that we see here. But when when it when the Lord when Noah offered the offering, it was pleasing to God. It was it was an acceptable sacrifice, not like Cain's sacrifice, but it was an acceptable sacrifice. And He promises, "I will never again." Curse the ground because of man. This ought to remind us of the curse that came back in chapter 3. God cursed the ground because of man. And, and the, the curse of, of the ground again whenever God destroyed everything, His curse came in the form of a destruction. And God tells, says that He will never again curse the ground. He will never again bring upon this kind of destruction that took place year because of man for this ought to this ought to be interesting to us for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth you wouldn't think that way you wouldn't think I'll never you would think I would never destroy the earth again because Noah's just so good right (laughs) but it doesn't tell us that (laughs) Noah should be included here he says I will never again curse the ground because because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. You get through with the flood and everything's just as it was before. People are just as evil and people are just as wicked as they were before the flood. Every thought of his heart is evil, only evil continually. From his very youth, we are born sinners. I think this is a a reference to to the doctrine of our original sin. You know, we, we don't sin because we've learned it from our parents. We don't we don't sin and then become sinners. No, we're sinners. We're born that way, and then we as soon as we're old enough to be able to act with some kind of reason, we break the law and confirm the fact of who we are. <laughs> we 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 are sinners from our birth. And God gives us grace. He promised he will never again curse the ground because of man. For we are wicked. We are sinful from our very youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. We see In this chapter, the salvation of Noah, pointing forward to the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. When when we look to Jesus, we are we are looking to the only way that God has provided for salvation, just like the only way that God provided for salvation for Noah was through getting that ark. And the only way that we can be saved is believe God just like Noah believed God, and trust in the Son, trust in Jesus to be saved. We look at this chapter and we see uh, a, a a sacrifice that Noah made we see we see a new creation that is 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 coming about uh, where new life is springing forth. And, and God tells that even the animals go be fruitful and multiply just like he did in chapter one. And we see the promise of God. The flood also points us to a, another reality and that is God will bring judgment. God will bring judgment. Judgment. Uh, the New Testament authors, when they talk about the flood, oftentimes they're saying, um, just like God destroyed the ancient world and saved Noah out of that, so he will again destroy his enemies. So he will again uh, bring judgment on all of those who are wicked and save the godly through that. So. Um, One of these days, Jesus will come again. And as I said, it will be that utopia that we long for. It will be that because when Jesus comes again, he will, he will route out all of the opposition. He will put all of his enemies under his feet. He will, uh, he will come and he will set up his kingdom that will last eternally. And whenever he speaks, his people will obey we live in a world that's still tainted by sin. We still live in a world in which even believers, when we've trusted in Jesus, we still struggle with all kinds of sin. And in that day, whenever he comes, no longer will we struggle with sin any longer. He will, he will eradicate that from our hearts. No longer will we deal with guilt, but he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and he will make us... Trophies of His grace. They will never again struggle with the kinds of things we struggle with now. He will come in judgment one day and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Just like Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he warned that ancient world, hey, there's a flood coming. We need to be ready knowing that God's wrath will someday come and we need to be found in Jesus the way Noah was found in the ark. (laughs) We need to be found in Jesus trusting in him.